0: Are they the lucky ones? That's what you're thinking, isn't it? We're a long way from home. We've jumped way beyond the red line into uncharted space. Limited supplies, limited fuel, no allies, and now, no hope. Maybe it would have been better for us to have died quickly back on the colonies with our families instead of dying out here slowly in the emptiness of dark space. Where shall we go? What shall we do?
1: Hi everybody, welcome to Smoking and Drinking in Space. I am Jason. This is Red. And we're discussing episode 2 of the original miniseries on sci-fi back in
0: 2003. My spine is glowing with anticipation. I know.
1: So, I don't know exactly what to say about the beginning. I mean, it's, it's almost like they took a full i guess 3 hour feature here and basically just cut it off in the middle I did, the 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 ending of the last was somewhat you know suspenseful did did that ship survive the supposed EMP blast right but it it just started right where it left off from the last episode there wasn't any hmm. recap there wasn't any uh, I mean, it was just—you stopped at the last
0: one, you started at this one. It was—it was. It was kind of... They're lucky Joss Whedon wasn't in on this, or so they'd all be right. dead.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, he does like to kill his characters off.
0: He does. Do you like? Especially this one especially pilots. He
1: really has something against oh, pilots.
0: Damn. Yes.
1: I don't know. What'd you think about it? It was—it was, it was kind of—it <laughs> was abrupt. It was like a. Shock of cold water in the face. Afterthought,
0: yeah. Well, I figured they looked at it, and the action, it it maintains a really good flow. I think they just did that because it was the most logical place to do it for time allowed, and also that was, like you said, a good cliffhanger.
1: So, where we left off was... Uh, Dama Apollo had set off some sort of EMP to try and trick the Cylons into thinking that the nuclear missiles that they launched off had ignited and blown up the ship that they were shooting at. Of course.
0: Well, apparently they, they did detonate. I've never heard of an EMP causing a detonation, but apparently that's what happened. I figured that it would just render them inert.
1: Well, did they detonate, or was the EMP supposed to simulate the detonation? I thought the EMP...
0: Well, the EMP is supposed to simulate the detonation, but we have to presume that the missiles themselves must have done something, or they would have picked up just, you know, good old-fashioned inertia. There'd be two objects moving through at a very high velocity. Oh, that's
1: true, yeah.
0: Tangential, but we don't want to get too science-y. Yeah, us Yeah, let's stop that. Let's not get too science. We better cut that shit out. I'm sorry. I I, I had a degreased Tyson moment. I'm sorry. I was thinking lucidly. <laughs> anyway, yeah. EMP, bright light, everything's gone. And of course, that was the sound. They probably had their 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 ear circuits damaged from all the sound in space. Sound in space. I digress. Sound in space. I'm sorry. I'll smoke and drink some more. Continue.
1: Yeah, we'll get to we'll get to the smoking and drinking part in this episode. Yeah, here in a little while. Well, they got some. well, yeah, but not nearly as much as you would expect in a in an episode like this. In fact, I'm trying to think if there was any drinking at all. Anyways, we'll get we'll get to that. Poker we'll
0: get game. That. Poker game. Colonel Ty at the very beginning of the show. He was hungover. A little hair of the dog there at the shift. Oh that yeah, strange. that was
1: episode one though. I'm talking this this episode here.
0: Yeah, right. So. Right.
1: So you find Lee, or the president and the pilot of the executive ship, finds Lee kind of passed out in front of the uh, FTL drive. And you learn that this gambit was something that they had talked about in war school, but it never worked in the simulation. Mm. So it was, it was kind of a... Never.
0: It was kind of a
1: Hail Mary that they were just trying out here. Well, yeah,
0: you know... If you're falling off a skyscraper, I say flap your <laughs> arms. Try and fly. It's not going to hurt. What? Just fuck the wuck, man. Fut the wuck.
1: So we're cutting over to Galactica, and they're trying to determine what they're going to do at this point. So what were they discussing?
0: They need to get ammunition.
1: Right. They needed to jump to Ragnarar Station. I guess that's Ragnar, Ragnar
0: Station. Station. That is it. Uh, Ragnar Station. They need to get ammunition, and they're also trying to find out what's going on. They're getting reports in from the fleet. It's getting itself chopped to pieces. Right. So- One person's in command, and that battle star is gone. Then another person assumes command. They've got different rally points, and Galactica has decided that rather than try and link up with the fleet and bring her fighters to bear, what little she has left, she's going to need some ordnance. Before they do that,
1: right? Because they had pretty much dearmed her for. Yeah, she was decommissioned. She was, decommissioned. Yeah, she was be, de, being decommissioned to become a, a museum ship. So, right. I think they had minimal defenses and probably really no ammunition to speak of.
0: Mm-hmm. So they're trying to. They had ordnance and weaponry for the fighters, but I don't think they had anything for the ship right. itself.
1: So they're trying to plot a jump over to Ragnar Station now. Interestingly, I'm not exactly sure what Ragnar Station I, is this supposed to be some sort of hidden kind of ammo cache? What was it hiding in? What, was was this like a nebula or it's not, some
0: it's not hidden. It's not hidden. It's 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 not necessarily it's it's more of like uh if I had to give it any kind of a title, it's it's a, a munitions depot inside a nebula. If you're not military, you shouldn't know about it. They don't want it just sticking out like a sore thumb. But since the Cylons were able to penetrate the database, they knew where it was.
1: Why stick it in the middle of a nebula?
0: Well, I think because, if you notice, they had to go through it uh, like a a passageway, into, the, you know, like the eye of the storm. That means that you've only got one point of entry. It's good for defense. If you don't know how to navigate that particular, the eddies and whatnot that may be present in the sci-fi science universe, it would probably make it detrimental for anybody just stumbling across it by accident.
1: Yeah, I always wondered about sci-fi representation of nebulas, and I think it kind of started around the Wrath of Khan nebula that Kirk fought Khan in. Because they always always portray it as this kind of electrical storm cloud type situation. When in reality, I really don't think a nebula is going to be anywhere near like that. I mean, it's sure it's a kind of a it's a, a collection of dust, cosmic dust that either once right. was a star or planet that got blown out or is coalescing to become something but nebulas are humongous and i don't think sci- i think sci-fi kind of condenses that nebula a lot more than it actually is i think if you were actually in a starship in the middle of a nebula you wouldn't really notice it much more than likely all right so they plot the etl jump they do the countdown for the ETL jump, which apparently their second is two of our seconds. That really just, I don't, I don't know. I didn't take that well. They said uh, they, were, they were counting down from 10, and it took like over 20 seconds to complete that countdown. So,
0: somebody. Well, they had the camera moving, you know. It was like 10, 9, and then they want to show you five different angles at 9.
1: Yeah, it was just, it was awful. It was trumped up. It was awful. <laughs> How do you really feel? It about was trumped up it? suspense. I mean, come on, just count down. 10 seconds is a long time. But they make the jump and then everybody applauds. So is ETL jumping that big of a deal in this universe? It seems like it's well, technology
0: that they've had for quite a long time. Maybe it's got something to do with the fact that their computers aren't networked and they have to have active scans of the system to avoid any kind of uh, bumping into things. You know, I mean, think about all the, if you're going through various systems, I don't know how much distance they can cover or the various things they're going to be going through that's in the middle between A and B. You know, I, I, since they're not really going, it, it's like they wink out and wink back in. So I'm thinking they don't necessarily have to go through space so much as they're like folding space. And they just need to make sure where they're going is clear. And you wouldn't want to just show up in the middle of an asteroid field or a planetary ice ring or something. And Oh, yeah, no. Oh, look, there's a bunch of stuff in our hull now. or The mess hall's a wreck. Things in it now. I, I don't know. Yeah,
1: no, I know. I I totally understand that. It just the applause seemed odd. <laughs> so they they make it.
0: Well, I know they hadn't. They made it sound like they hadn't done one in a while. They may not even been sure that the old girl could do it. Well, that's true. She is. She is an old ship. She was about to be mothballed. So I can I can I understand mean, This that. is. Right, let's leave it there. That's what it is. They weren't sure, you know, is it going fair to work? Enough, fair enough. So They're just happy that they lived.
1: So they make it to Ragnar, and they're going through this little, uh, I, I guess maybe the butthole of the nebula. I don't know. They're navigating the rectum of the nebula, and... It's interesting how they they kind of navigate through that he's he's basically giving commands uh heading and position the ship through this this opening, and they've got right. actual you know steering instruments to steer this large ass ship. It reminded me it was very red October it was like uh make uh... my depth two five zero feet, you know.
0: Wrecked October.
1: Nice. So they they make it through and there's a uh space station in the middle of this nebula. It's uh it's spinning around, I guess, to simulate gravity. And they dock up to it, open up the doors, and start looking around. <laughs> there's rust on the outside of the the space station, which was Rather interesting.
0: That, now, come on. you. We could do that with just, they've got atmospheric generators, electricity, and condensation. Come on.
1: No, no, no. The outside. No, well, that's... Where they
0: docked... Camouflage. Where they <laughs> docked... That's camouflage. That
1: big-ass door had rust on it.
0: That's camo. Camo for what? Let it, let it, let it. Go. Okay. Letting it go. Let, let it, it go. go. They're happy. They're happy they're there. So they're looking around,
1: and lo and behold, somebody is on the space station. And he's got a gun pointed at, uh, how would, How many would you say? About a dozen people that came onto the space yeah, station yeah. from you Galactica?
0: Got Chief, Chief Terrell and his yeah. crew. Yeah,
1: so you got a dozen people from the Galactica armed themselves and he decides to point a gun at them like he's gonna take them all out right well there you go yeah yolo and he's not looking too hot he looks like he uh had some hot nights in tijuana
0: he was disturbed by the rust on the outside of the door i was disturbed so i can only imagine stressing
1: it's a very stressful situation
0: i mean he's fucking in there that's right you're watching it. He's if that in shit there.
1: rusts through, what are you going to do?
0: Right. I mean, come on.
1: So they talk him down and take his gun, and they're loading shit up, and somebody is moving some ordnance. The chief yells, hey, be careful with that. It falls over, something falls out of this crate that they're moving, and it arms itself. Apparently, it's this high explosive. So yeah, contact ordinance. we've got it now. Well, yeah, but we have you have to arm that before it becomes contact ordnance. I mean, there's safety mechanisms yeah, there's in a place. there's a
0: there's a pin. On the, the simplest stuff we have, there's a pin like a grenade. It releases from the wing of the ship or the pylon, and it's hot.
1: But this shit's just hot all the time.
0: It's the rust. So
1: the sweaty tooth madman who was talking with Adama. He came down to kind of look look at and uh, coordinate the the arming effort or the movement of the armament to the Galactica
0: and Adama. Sweaty-tooth <laughs> madman. I'm still mulling that over. I like that. I stole it. I know. I know you did. I'm just trying to remember from where. I'll give you two hints. It's, it's
1: a Robin Williams it's, film. It's a movie. Yeah. It's a movie. It's a Robin Williams film.
0: All right. Give me the second hint. He's been in a few. It
1: was what, late 80s, early 90s that this film came out?
0: I'm going to jump out on a limb and say um, Think Dead Poet Society. There you go. I was trying to remember it. I kept wanting to say Captain, my captain, but I'm like, no. No, that's so, the same movie. It is. That's why I couldn't remember the name of the movie.
1: So, sweaty Tooth madman, Adama. Uh, Adama is coordinating the efforts of getting the, the Galactica rearmed. Bomb arms himself. Uh, sweaty Tooth madman is over there by Adama, and he shoves himself and the guy that was on the station into this corridor, I guess is what it was. Um, The bomb goes off and blows the corridor all to hell. The hatch that closed up the corridor is all jacked up. They can't open it. But Adama and the other guy, who uh, was looking like a, I don't know, a syphilitic nightmare, uh, they're okay. So the chief says, okay, I've got some guys that are about to get you out. And Adama says, no, no, no. Just continue getting all this shit back onto the Galactica. We'll find another way around the station to get back to
0: you. Oh, interrupt good.
1: Around this time, I think uh, last episode we were trying to discuss about how many people are on the Galactica. Um, there's about 2,000 people on the Galactica at this point. And
0: she's got a lot of big fucking equipment. Yeah. Because you can, create, you can get 6,000 on a Gerald Ford aircraft carrier. And she's a little bit bigger than the Gerald Ford. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. And they may have had a
1: kind of a skeleton crew because again she was being That lost could of be
0: too, right, right. So. That could be too.
1: So we cut over to
0: Gaius and his uh, lovely hallucinations. Yeah. Or was, are they?
1: Yeah, they're hallucinations.
0: Sure it's not some part of his what what the hell is that? Pineal gland activating the third eye and
1: well, it's interesting you say that. So, he's, uh, he's on the, pre- the presidential or the executive uh, starship. He has been kind of promoted or assigned to be the uh, science advisor to the new president, Rosalind. And he's looking through some paperwork trying to, I guess, figure out how the Cylons became what they are and why they attacked, And then Six shows up and starts talking to him. And it's the Six in the red dress that ends up being a hallucination. He realizes that it's some sort of hallucination. But she kind of floats the idea that maybe we, you know, put a chip in your brain and we're sending signals to you this way. And he's like, no that doesn't really jive i'm pretty sure you're just a figment of my imagination and it turns out he's dreaming at this point because he uh kind of moans and starts awake and yeah he was he was sleeping there's other people in the in the cabin with him but one of the things that she said was uh was interesting she's trying to i think she's trying to imply that that gaius is god because she said um you said something about, I want you to love me
0: because God is love. Well, I didn't get that she was implying he was God.
1: That's that's definitely the impression I got whenever I saw the scene.
0: I didn't get that at all. I think that what she's trying to say is, God is love as she perceives it, and she wants to be loved because that would bring her closer to God. As most people that have religious inclinations They want to be as close to their God as possible. And if anything, the loving, intimate relationship would be something that would emulate, even in a minuscule way, what was going on between her and her creator. So I don't think she was implying that he was God at all.
1: Okay, yeah, I can see that. I still think she's trying to imply he's some sort of god. Oh, she's or...
0: definitely trying to imply that he has a purpose, that he that God has a plan for him, or he wouldn't have made it this far.
1: Yeah. So we shift back over to the space station at this point, point. and it's uh, a Dama and uh, the poster child for chlamydia walking through, and this guy is is he, he's looking like death warmed over at this point. He's not looking real well. So I was really worried about you at this point because this was kind of one of those uh oh, it's an alternate route through the passageway's character development where we get to know right, each other yeah, and know more about the character yeah. I want to see Pew Pew. <laughs> so I was really worried about about you and your attention span during this point because it was, no, it was it a character development part.
0: My, my attention was there, but I was also looking for the fast forward.
1: So at this point Adama realizes this guy is a Cylon because he getting worse and he thinks it's the the nebula storm that's that's causing his brain to kind of fizz out. So the guy reveals that yes, he is indeed a Cylon, that they do look like them. And he and Adama have a big fight. Adama beats the ever loving crap out of him, smashes his skull in. And they drag the body back aboard the Galactica to be autopsied. So then we jump back over to the executive starship. Rosalind's uh, asked Boomer at this point, that she sent out a, a rescue beacon. And I guess they picked her up. They didn't even discuss this. It was just, oh, now Boomer's raptor is on board and, and we're talking to Boomer now. She's asked Boomer to go out and start finding other ships and bringing them to their location so they can kind of convoy out to wherever they need to go to get away from, from the battle. And it was interesting. when they, they pulled out wide and showed a lot of the ships that had already converged a lot of them didn't look anything alike. I mean, it was like all of the starships are like custom made at this point. You would expect Mm -hmm. to see a lot of similar designs. Maybe not exactly Mm -hmm. the same, but a lot of similar designs just because that, I mean, manufacturing would be much more efficient there. So kind of got wanted to get your take on that. It was, seemed a weird design decision. Eye candy. It's just eye candy. They're doing it for the appeal. It doesn't make any sense. I know. I'm trying to make sense.
0: You are! I mean, look at at Star Wars. My God, the only thing that has uniformity was the Empire. The Rebellion, they'll take anything from the Princess Cruise lines and throw some guns on it and throw it into combat. That's not true.
1: All the Carillion Corvettes and stuff were all pretty much the same. Uh, all, right. all the Mon Calamari cruisers were all pretty much the same. No,
0: Mon Calamars are very different. Very organic design. They are not, no, no two cruisers are alike.
1: No two cruisers are exactly the same, but they have similar designs. Well, yeah,
0: you can recognize it as a Mon Calamari design. But...
1: Yeah, but you wouldn't be able to recognize these cruisers or these starships as the same or similar design at all. Well, you're talking
0: about when the the wreckage around Caprica, or are you talking about the fleet that shows up for Galactica? I'm talking the that fleet
1: effect. that shows up around the executive ship and then
0: Galactica. Well, those are private ships; they're not military. I
1: understand, but even private ships have similar design characteristics. Eh,
0: some are older. You know, I, I think it's kind of like going to a used car lot.
1: Well, yeah, but even a used car lot, you're going to have a lot of similar car designs. I mean, a Toyota Corolla, even through the generations, is somewhat still just like the other generations.
0: Until you get before 1995. Things were boxier then. I remember back when the day, when I could tell the make of a vehicle... Just by the shape of its headlights, two quarters of a mile down the road. Now all these damn cars are all bullet-shaped. These are just really old ships. That's what it is. The newer ships are sleeker. Well, honest... sleek or not,
1: there's there's no design con- continuity between them. So. All right. They it fucked just... up. It they just deserve looked to weird. be wiped
0: out by the Cylons. It just looked weird. It did. And they also had some of the models from the original Battlestar too. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, uh, the Colonial Movers ship. We move anywhere. <laughs> That's what it says on the side of it. Are you, you serious? Know? Yeah, yeah. Uh if you uh look, um, it looks like a ship and it's got three or four axes coming out from a center, central. Yeah, I design. remember that ship. Yeah, it, it looks spins. like those freight containers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, if if uh look on the original series, you'll see that it says it says Colonial Movers, we move anywhere, and that's from the original 1979 show and then there are a few models that were brought through. That one was brought through the uh the Rising Star from the original was brought over and uh it looked kind of like uh I always thought it was kind of like a, a like a cetacean ship, like a whale or, or a dolphin type ship. And then there was another one that was more modular looking with a circular, almost Star Trek-esque Federation saucer section in the front. Yeah, I to saw a big that one. Engine thing. Yeah, those are all uh, from the original series, those models. Wow.
1: So, are you saying that these were practical effects ships? I thought this was all CGI.
0: Oh, no. No, no, no. Um, I'm certain that a lot of it was CGI, but even if those three ships were CGI'd, they were based on the
1: original models. Wow, that's cool. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> I think it was just a way of tipping their hat to Glenn Larson and to the, the original fan fan Right. Base, which is fun.
1: So, getting back to it, um, at this point they're on the executive ship they've got a a pretty good pretty good set of ships around the executive ship they found found quite a bit they've got about 50,000 people gathered actually a little more um probably about 55,000 or so uh not all of the ships that they have found have uh faster than light capabilities so they're in the process of moving all of the people from the non-FTL ships over to the FTL ships when a Cylon raider shows up. just Pops in in between the ships, does a quick scan, and then pops out. Dirty bastards. Yeah. So at this point, Rosalind and Apollo and uh, the pilot of the executive ship and Oh, I can't remember that other guy's name, but uh, Hilo. You...
0: Hilo's on the planet.
1: No, 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 not Hilo. The the guy that they eventually put on the space station later on.
0: Oh God! Oh shit! I want to say he's. I don't remember his name because they've all got different names.
1: Yeah. So anyway, I want to say guy... he's a
0: he's a six. No, he's not a six. Is he a a four? Yeah,
1: they never they never say that yet. In fact you don't you don't realize that he is what he is until the end of the show, but Well we'll
0: fucking delete He's in that, there.
1: <laughs> he's in there and they're trying to decide what to do. Do they sit and wait and try and get as many people off of the FTL ships and onto the FTL ships? off of the non-FTL ships and onto the FTL ships as possible or do they leave now? And Apollo says, we need to jump now. It right. doesn't matter that we've still got people that are that need to be shifted over. We're just going to have to leave them. It's, it's a numbers game. We can wait and try and save thousands now and risk tens of thousands or we can cut bait and run. And so right. Rosalind... He's, he's a real jerk. Well, I mean, he's not a real jerk. He's just looking at it very pragmatically. He's looking at the numbers and saying, you know, the risk isn't worth the reward at this point. Because You the risk pro- call is... it
0: pragmatism. I say he is a heartless individual that would kick a care bear. It's terrible. You should save all the people. I would kick a care bear, but he's right. I happen to think they should have stayed there with their fly open, their junk hanging out, and trying to save everybody. Well, and you would have killed humanity. Congrats. It'd be a short show and more pew-pew.
1: <laughs> so Rosalyn makes the hard decision and says, no, set everybody to jump now. She sends the command to jump. Everybody's firing up their FTL engines. All the captains from the other ships are expressing their dissent. Um. Somebody says, "Why don't we let the other ships know where we're going, and that way they can head to uh, to the rendezvous point with uh, with just whatever engines they have? They can catch up with us later." And Apollo says, "No, we can't do that because if they get captured, then they know where we're going. So,
0: so logically,
1: as... we must kill all the people we're leaving behind." No, he didn't say kill them. It's not like they were firing at them. But, as they're firing up their FTLs, a squadron of Cylon Raiders comes in, and just as all the FTL ships jump out, whole bunches of missiles fly out and kill all the rest of the ships. So, they do. It's uh, it's one of those situations where you have to make the hard decision to, you know... The needs of the many out and outweigh the needs of the Is one. Is it
0: really a hard decision? Did you honestly find it a hard decision? Were well, you wrestling with it? Did you feel the conflict within you?
1: I didn't have to make the decisions, no.
0: Because I don't think there's much conflict.
1: Well, no, I mean, it, at that point, it's really not a hard decision. It would
0: have been, time to go, sucks to be you. And then you jump.
1: Adama and Syphilis Boy are walking down some stairs. He looks like he's about to shit himself. And he reveals that he's a Cylon at this point. And he and Adama are having a conversation that kind of uh, implies that Adama's a monotheist, which is odd because it seems like uh, a lot of the people in the Galactica universe are... Polytheistic right, and really the the only monotheistic people that we've really seen so far is six and possibly Gaius, oh, I also liked how they were just carrying armament through the corridors of the Galactica too. It's not like they have a like a a loading bay or or dock or anything like that. Through the corridors of the ship. We're going to Quite carry all, well. the, all the ordnance through. It was also Kiss a Stranger Day on the Galactica.
0: Right, they were also happy to be alive. Yep. Kind of makes you want the apocalypse to hit.
1: The guys has a conversation with Gaeta uh, about you know the Cylons using some of the technology that he invented to jammed the computer systems on the Vipers whenever they were uh, fighting against them as well as all the other capital ships. The Galactica only got away with that because they didn't really have upgraded systems on their ships. Right. And then he starts hallucinating Six again. They have a nice little conversation. And one of the things she says is uh, one of the reasons I fell in love with uh, you, Gaius, is because you don't have a conscience. So basically, she fell in love with him because he's a sociopath. She also mentions that the Cylons have probably infiltrated the Battlestar because she's not the only model out there and nobody knows that they look like humans now at this point or what they look like. hmm And then she goes to give a, an imaginary handjob to Gaius on the command deck.
0: Well, you know, they're good to have. It's good to be handy. Uh,
1: Apollo and Commander Adama have a touching little reunion. Uh, Commander Adama has uh, been notified that Apollo is alive at this point. Apollo is waiting for him in his office, and he goes to leave, and Adama embraces him, which causes Apollo to scrunch up his face, looking like he's trying to hold in a fart. And then they send Starbuck out to do a recon mission outside of the nebula to see what's out there. And
0: remember what she finds? (laughs) I remember what she finds. Marco! Marco! Polo!
1: A whole lot of polos out there. A lot of polos. Yeah, that was a whole lot of polos. There were, what, two base ships and, you know... Dozens upon dozens of Cylon Raiders. Oh, yes. The, the plan for Adama at first was to resupply, arm up, and go find the rest of the fleet and join in the war. And so he and Roslyn kind of butted heads against that. She was like, the war's done. The war's lost. We need, yeah. to, we need to get the hell out of Dodge. And, and make go- babies. Yeah, go find someplace the Cylons aren't, and uh, try to repopulate. But Adamo's like, nah, he's not having any of that. just are
0: you hitting on me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> he basically stands up and walks out of that meeting.
0: Uh oh, yeah, goes, he's a goes warrior. Goes to the bridge. Yeah,
1: I mean, goes to the bridge to start strategizing on how they're going to get out. They were planning on leaving all the civilian ships in the nebula. They were going to jump out, go join the fleet. They get the recon report from Starbuck. He looks over and sees the president's aide flirting with somebody on the bridge.
0: Yeah, that little uh, communications officer.
1: Yeah, and realizes, yeah, we're pretty fucked, so we might as well just... uh, Get the hell out of Dodge. So he says, nah, what we're going to do is we're going to plot a course out way past any place we've ever explored before and see if we can get a lot of distance between us and Cylons. So he has um, Gaeta plot a course, doesn't tell anybody, or tells Gaeta not to tell anybody, and they start setting up a plan to use the Galactica as a shield while they get all the civilian ships jumped out, and I love this was actually a really cool battle. So they get the fire or they get the jump solution, send it out to all the ships. The Galactica goes out the Nebula butthole first, turns the ship in such a way that all their arms are pointed at the two base ships that are out there, um, and get, and acts as basically a ship shield to the ships that the the civilian ships that will be coming out of the nebula and, and jumping and then they just start firing a deluge of bullets at all the ships to stop all the incoming missiles that are coming in as well as the swarm of fighters that are basically flying headlong into their bullets so they they call or they thin out some of the fighter cover, launch their own Vipers, and their own Vipers actually don't do too bad against the, the, the Raiders. The Vipers are also taking out a few missiles. Uh, the Galactica takes a, quite a few hits. I was surprised at that. I mean, I counted five, six missile hits. How many do you think she could handle?
0: Well, I mean, obviously it depends on where they hit and the yield, but um, she's pretty much, um, they don't have the laser weaponry that we're familiar with in other shows, and so she has to have something that can handle kinetic rounds, so I would imagine that her armor plating is pretty substantial in addition to, uh, I would think, maybe flexible or multi-layered like um uh, oh I saw a guy once on uh, YouTube he was showing how to bulletproof your home and car with phone books uh-huh. okay know? and then if you recall that game we used to play uh Company of Heroes nothing stops a bullet like a bag of dirt right so I I would imagine she's got you know armor like that so unless it's you know some kind of a sabo round or really powerful nuke, she can pretty well handle it.
1: Well I figured the base ships would be firing nukes. That's why I was asking.
0: Well they did they did shoot a nuke at her, remember? She does get hit with a nuke. I figured all the missiles would be nukes, but they fired no, they fired uh three or four nukes. They were not fired the nukes were not fired from the base ships, they were fired from a raider. Starbuck took out, I think Two or three of them, and then the one got through. And it definitely rocked her world. I mean, there were sparks flying, and people dutifully fell onto the ground, and the camera was knocked around, so everybody looked like they had some kind of a hell of a hit. And it left a permanent scar that you will see for the rest of the series. Oh, yeah. She has has a little crater right where that new kid. That's Yeah, that's amazing. Which is interesting that you would have a contact nuke anyway. Seems like it would do more damage if it would proximity fuse. But there again, we're getting back to science. Ash, shh. I know. None of that. My fault.
1: So, during the firefight, Apollo loses a wing and an engine. But he's, he's still okay. He's crippled, but not out of the fight. Starbuck is racking up kills. She uh, definitely proves herself to be one of the best pilots in the fleet. If not the best pilot in the fleet.
0: Oh my, yes, yes, she's very good.
1: Once all the civilian ships jump out, uh, the Galactica calls back in the Vipers, but Apollo's ship uh, loses engine power and is disabled. So he orders Starbuck to head back to the ship, and of course Starbuck immediately ignores that order. <laughs> it was great, actually. I love Starbucks because of this maneuver. I mean, and just the sheer joy that she gets out of being just the craziest person on in the universe. Yeah, she turns her ship around and uses her. I don't know what the nose hole is for. It it has it has sensors in it. Wow, well, the sensors are fucked at this point. Yeah, so what she does is she shoves the nose hole over one of his cannons and basically marries their two ships together and pushes him back to the Galactica. As the Galactica is pulling in its launch pods, he barely navigates inside, and while none of the other Viper pilots had great landings, her landing was not the greatest. Hey,
0: (laughs) any landing you can walk away from.
1: Is a good landing, you're right. But, they survive, Galactica gets its launch pods pulled inside, and just as a bunch more missiles are about to hit, as well as a bunch of raiders come in, they vanish, poof, FTL out.
0: Right. As it should be, they were the first in and the last out.
1: Right. So while all this is happening, Gaius has been developing a way to detect who's a Cylon or not. Now, he's got ulterior motives. He knows that there's a Cylon device on the bridge underneath the, the Dratus screens, but he can't let on that he knows that there's a, a Cylon device on okay. the
0: Dratus Alright, 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 alright. But, how is that brought to his attention?
1: Well, it's Right before he got the hand job.
0: Well, six is yes. part of this. If well, six <laughs> is a hallucination, then how could she bring that to his attention? Because he saw it in her
1: briefcase when they were on uh, Caprica. He saw another device just like that. I don't believe her. So while he didn't consciously rec- register it then... He noticed it on the bridge and his brain made that connection and it formed as a hallucination with Six. There you go. So the the guy that was on uh, that was discussing the the fate of the civilian ships with Rosalind and Apollo on the executive ship earlier has been doing stuff on the bridge um, taking notes things like that speaking of her adjutant the
0: young, I don't know kid. the young big kid working for the no, president. no no
1: no, not her assistant, the other guy. So he was the guy oh, that okay. kind of tried to take the leadership role in the first episode and she said you can help out a lot if you uh, go down and start making you know beds for people that will need them once we once we rescue them. Um mm-hmm. He had the he had the red suit on at the at the end of the episode. Yes, the
0: the small man, small stature. Yeah, I don't guess he's very Dark tall. Yep. He was the one that was giving the tour on the galactic at the very beginning of the first pilot.
1: Oh, was that him? Yes. Oh, I guess I missed that. Yeah, okay. So the tour guide has been doing stuff around the bridge, and so Gaius is basically making him his uh, his patsy. He says that he's developed a, a way to detect some of the synthetic uh, chemistry that was used to make the human-like Cylons from the results of the autopsy that was done on the uh, syphilitic Cylon. And he said that the only person that matched that chemistry was this guy. And then he also says, oh, and I saw this guy kind of... Uh, doing stuff to this thing on the Dratus, uh console. You might want to check that out just in case it's some sort of Cylon technology. So they lock him up, and they question him, and as they're leaving, they decide, uh, we can't take you with us because we're pretty sure you're a Cylon, but we're not sure enough that we're just going to shoot you in the head. So we're gonna leave you on this space station. You got food, you got water. Good luck to you. And of course, he's protesting this entire time, saying, "Uh, I don't know what you guys think uh, you're doing, but I'm not a Cylon. This dude's a crackpot. Uh, not sure because he and they've been in this nebula for a while now, and he's looked just fine. I mean, it's not affecting him like Chlamydia, boy. So after all the ships jump out one of the last scenes you see is this guy on the on the ship or on the on the space station and the cylons are shooting through the door the door's open and a whole bunch of sixes and uh, syphilis boy and some of th- some copies of this guy come out because he's not looking so good either at this point and he's starting to get the pale face and the sweats so Gaius was right. I mean, what's what's the chances of that? Because I'm pretty sure Gaius' test was bullshit.
0: I agree. I don't think he had um as much going for him on that uh little bit of science. I think it was some dumb luck.
1: So now we have three different models of Cylons. Oh, and where did that note that uh commander adama got that said there are 12 cylon models come from
0: i don't recall honestly i remember it yeah, was there yeah i remember
1: it was i mean it was there but it it was just there it was ne- next to a coffee cup or something he picks it up sees that there are 12 cylon models and then puts it in his safe true so that's interesting but i, I think
0: i think right now the reason he locked it up was because you know that's a need to know situation he's got to try and get the the ship and the fleet dealt with, he can't just throw out too much information unedited. Cause sure. a panic. Sure. Especially since we're dealing with synthetic Cylons that are mimicking humans so well. Right, right.
1: No, I, I totally get why he did it. I just want to know where that note came from. And he didn't seem curious to know where the note came from either. So, so I think he knows where it came from.
0: Well, that's not going to be the first time we come across a little faux pas in this series.
1: So, at one point
0: towards the end, they have a funeral
1: scene of the people that have fallen in battle. Mm-hmm. Lots, of, uh, lots of caskets with flags over them. Everybody's uh, in a gathering. Uh, it looks like some sort of official priestess is giving last rites. Oh, I know, you've got to have that. And at the end, she uh, says, "So say we all," and then they kind of, you know, half-assed, "So say we all," and that just uh, rubs Adama the wrong way. So he gives a uh, mm-hmm.
0: gives a pep talk to everybody. I like that phrase, by the way. I like "So that. say we all." That's that's right up, yeah, that's right up there with huzzah. Huzzah. <laughs> <laughs> that's,
1: that's up there? So uh, he gives a pep talk and basically announces that there was a 13th tribe that left the system in search of another Earth or another planet. And they found that planet. And that planet was called Earth. And they inhabit that planet now. That's right, it's top secret. And he, along with just a few others, actually know the location. Yeah, only fleet commanders. Yeah, yeah. actually know where this legendary planet is. And they're going to go find this legendary planet. And if you believe any of this shit, because it's got flaws out the ass, then... Sci-fi, sci-fi. Well, I mean, not even sci-fi, but I mean, just anybody that can put two and two together should be able to see the holes in this fucking theory. I mean, first, it's a legend. Okay, so you've got the 12 tribes, and there was this mysterious 13th tribe that left to go find another planet. Okay, so that's plausible. But now they've got a name for the planet, and they know that they've found the planet, how do they know this? Did the 13th tribe come back and say, "Hey, we found this planet." And we know <laughs> I mean, that's where that's where the hole that's where the hole grows so big that you can drive a truck through it, all right? I'm ready. I got the truck. But he's got everybody believing it and there's a few that automatically don't believe it. First of all, Rosalind in private calls him out on his bullshit and says, you, have no, oh, you have no idea where this planet
0: is. She's a school teacher. She wants to see primary and secondary sources. So <laughs> right.
1: You have no idea where this planet is. Uh, you pulled that out of your ass. And he says, yeah, but, you know, people need something to live for. So I gave them something to live for. And she said, you know, you're going to, they're going to hate you when they realize that there is no planet. He goes, ah, I'll live with that then. So, I understand why he did it. I just don't understand how the people fell for it. Apollo knows he's full of shit because I think he knows his father and the look that he gave during that gathering whenever he said that was like, nah, you're full of shit.
0: Sure, everybody's got to tell.
1: But, they're on their way. They're going to go find that 13th Colony. They are on their way, that is true. They're going to go find Earth, so they have a mission. Find Earth. He knows where it is. And we know who's the Cylon on the Galactica. Yes, we do. So as all the Cylons were piling in on that space station towards the end of the episode, the very last of the episode, they say, it may take us decades to find them. And a Cylon walks into the station and says, "We'll find them." And it was Boomer. Boomer is a Cylon. It was Boomer.
0: That is true. That's what happens when you put a girl into a guy's job. I don't know.
1: I think the girls have done a better job than the guys so far. The guys are zero so and two. So say we all. Right: At least the girl blew up the planet, knocked out all of their defense systems, and the second girl hasn't been found yet, so:
0: But we have Boomer on the planet, Boomer on a space station, and uh, Boomer on Galactica. The question is, are they all in sync with one another, or are they operating in?: Whos the
1: boomer on the planet?
0: Oh, sorry i was I forgot I was, remember she landed on the planet, but then she went yeah, back yeah, yeah, she she's the one that took the people back up. yeah,
1: Gaius She brought Gaius into our lives.
0: Typical Cylon.: So what'd
1: you think of the episode?
0: Well, it uh had a lot of character development, yeah,
1: I suspect that this but... series is
0: going to have a lot of character development. Oh, it has a lot of fast-forward possibilities, too. Um, but in general, um, my... Now, I've viewed a bit of a disadvantage. I've already seen the series all the way through. You're still experiencing it. That's true. It. Um, so, you're, I don't want to give away too much because I don't want to take it away from you. However, um One of the things that I personally found a bit interesting in the upcoming episode is the psychology of the characters as it develops under the stress of their current situation and how they each deal with it. My complaint is that as the show progresses, it seems like they're not dealing with it very well. There's some serious post-traumatic stress and contemporary traumatic stress going on. Um it's there there essentially the Galactica could be you could replace the the CGI model of the Galactica with a pressure cooker.
1: Well yeah, but I mean you could, I mean how and how how much health care or mental health care you expect in a situation like this? They might not even have any actual health, mental health care workers well, at this
0: point. But at the same time, you have to realize on the Galactica, they're military. I can understand civilians having a much more difficult time in dealing with some of the things. But uh, the military personnel, some of them I'm surprised could pass a psyche, eval. stay in the fleet. Well, but if. I mean, everybody's going to crack eventually. And it seems to me that the breaking point on a lot of these characters is really close to the surface. And I think they do that not to uh, necessarily show weakness, but to make the characters more identifiable to the viewer. And so I would want people, if they're going into Battlestar Galactica for the first time, to try and keep that as a little grain of salt in the back of their minds. Because if they do know people that are ex-military, I have several friends that are ex-military, they're not portraying military personnel as a whole accurately. I... These people these people would handle it a lot better than they did. Now, given time, absolutely everybody's gonna crack. But you're gonna see that, you know, these these episodes, the uh there's just a fragility to a lot of the characters.
1: Yeah, but I don't know of any
0: show that really portrays military accurately. True. I, I think the military likes it in that way. That way people underestimate them. <laughs> you know it's 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 a polytheistic thing is what it is true it's It's got something to do with I don't know let's go with Bacchus. I'm sure he is the primary god of this show because it is smoking and drinking that's true, space. although
1: this episode didn't have any drinking and only one scene of smoking, so what the hell it it hinted toward drinking, Ty really wanted to drink, but oh they're gonna make it up. They'll catch up. It's Starbucks Starbuck drink shamed him. Yeah, she did. In fact, he threw away like a bottle of vodka. And then looked at a bottle of whiskey. So, definitely tell that... That's party foul. Definitely tell that Ty is uh, Irish, but... <laughs>
0: Actually, the actor's Australian.
1: <laughs> is he really?
0: Yeah. He's Australian. Uh, the guy playing Leodama or uh, Apollo, yeah, Apollo. he's British. Apollo, he's he's British. Of course, Gaius is British. Uh, number six, Tricia Helfer's Canadian. Anyway, that ought to wrap it up. I think we got it pretty well handled. I think so.
1: What's on tap for the next
0: episode? Oh, the next episode, they're gonna have some uh, serious issues. They got some serious things going on and it's going to happen in 33 second increments or not 33 second, 33 minute, pardon me, 33 minute increments. And as advanced as the Galactica is, it's able to fold space and jump. You're going to find they still have sticky notes. Yeah. And so buy your stock and dry erase
1: boards and paper. So much paper.
0: Yes so much paper that the corners are cut off the corners cut off so much dry erase corners boards. cut off that's that's actually the shape of the trees on and campus. vga graphics oh yeah absolutely so i say we put the finishing touches on this one call this one a close
1: sounds good all right thanks for joining us this is jason uh we'll see you next time
0: and this is red in tow and remember never stop drinking and never stop smoking you're never too young to start we'll see you next episode thanks